Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and today I am here with Laura Bowers. How are you, Laura? I am doing great. Excited to be here and talking to you today. Yes, ma'am. So Laura Bowers is the CEO of the PMO Boss. After 20 years of leading projects and teams, she's witnessed some of the best and worst practices out there. She then took that knowledge and developed a streamlined approach for implementing and managing a project management office, otherwise known as a PMO, using the BOSS method to help entrepreneurs get their big ideas into simple project plans. So this is an interesting topic. We don't talk to very many project managers, so I'm really excited to dive into this with you. So what got you into project management to begin with? Yeah, in a lot of ways, I fell into it. Um, Prior to being in project management, I was doing um, sales work, marketing work. um, And then the company I was with at the time was went under. Um, So I was kind of bouncing around and a friend was like, hey, you know, referral, right? The the way a lot of the business world works. Um, So I got a referral in. I interviewed with no formal experience. Um, But project managers are really big on soft skills. So Mm -hmm. the, you know, interviewer saw that in me that I had the potential um, and they brought me in with uh, with no experience. And (laughs) ever since then, it just clicked. Um, I advanced really quickly through the ranks and picked everything up and then, you know, got certifications and continued down the path. Yeah. So soft skills, meaning what? Like um, people management skills? Any kind of people management once you get to the point of having a team, but even just um, communications and relationship building, right? A lot of being a project manager, um, I'll often joke around and say it's your glorified secretary or you're like a professional cat herder, right? Like (laughs) you're taking multiple personalities all up and down the leadership chain and trying to get things to be um, succinct enough for everyone to understand what's going on. Um, and a lot of that is, is, you know, written and spoken communication, presentation skills. Uh, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of that, like, uh, emotional intelligence type stuff. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So you've done 20 years of projects on your own. So, I mean, excuse me, with another company, correct? So you were corporate mm-hmm. for 20 years of leading projects and then you decided to take the leap on your own. So what did that look like and why, why then? Yeah, so I think um, COVID had a huge influence on me, right? I I was an IT program manager working for different government clients. Um, The one I was at the last time was for eight years. Um, So I had seen quite a bit on that that program Uh, and it was IT. So it blew up in COVID, right? We, you know, talk about job security, right? IT, (laughs) we, we were, our team was heavily needed and the organization before COVID allowed remote work, but it was very like case by case and, you know, a pre-COVID remote hybrid environment, which was minimal. Mm. Uh, So we had to really equip people to work at home very quickly. Mm. Um, 
So it was, it was a challenge just to keep up with that and keep the team motivated, like at a time where so much was going on in the world. And we were the ones that, you know, we weren't necessarily like the frontline healthcare workers, but we were still going in and we were still having to like, you know, do kind of more than, than, um, some others at that time. And it was stressful and you had to deal with all the health concerns at once. So it was a huge challenge. And I, you know, I'm really proud for what we were able to do and we were successful. Um, but during that time, I just remember I had uh, two small kids. My kids were what, two and five going into COVID. Uh, so it was just like nonstop meetings, nonstop, like potty training, everything was merging. It was super, um, you know, overwhelming. And it kind of got to a point where it's just like, is this, is this kind of it? Is this, is this what it's going to be just like kind of a, a grind that I'd gotten pretty familiar with at that point. Right. Um, so I took that opportunity to dive into some self-development and really look at purpose and what got me motivated. Um, and ultimately that, that led to taking this huge leap on, you know, betting on myself and bringing my skills to entrepreneurs who mm -hmm. may not have the skill set, right? Entrepreneurs are huge, right. are huge visionaries, um, but they're not necessarily great at getting things on paper and and sticking to a plan. Uh, yeah. So I thought that would be a lot more rewarding to go down that path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll say I'll I'll be the first one to tell you we downright suck at that. <laughs> we are. We are so I'm on to something. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I will be the first one to raise my hand and say, yeah, I'm the visionary, but I need the implementation person in front of me yes. to make it all happen. So, absolutely. Okay. So, so PMO stands for Project Management Office. So, mm -hmm. at what point do you bring in a PMO? Is it is it? I know IT is is, you know, when you're implementing a new software or something like that, but tell me in day-to-day -day world, like for other entrepreneurs out there, at what point should you start considering a PMO? Yeah. So this could be looked at a couple different ways. Like a PMO is, is certainly an enterprise level solution. So you're going to see it at all your major companies, right? They they'll have PMOs operating, mm -hmm. um, but you can absolutely implement a PMO kind of at a smaller level, which is what we kind of curate. Um, as a solopreneur, you're probably not going to need something that robust, yeah. but the, the templates, the processes that you put in place, the, you know, governance that you kind of set for yourself, which these are kind of big words for a single person. Yeah. But if you put some of that in um, right up front, then as you bring in uh, virtual assistants, VAs, if, as you bring in vendors, you start to have a standard and a level of professionalism that your competitors probably don't, right? And then as you hire in um, the PMO, the framework for the PMO is already there yeah. and then it just builds out, right? So our, our method or our belief is that, you know, start the correct processes up front and then your expansion becomes easy. Um, and then not even worrying about the expansion, you're so much more organized right from the jump. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. very cool. All right. So then you develop this thing called the boss method, B-O-S-S. -S. So mm -hmm. can you explain to me what boss means and and what what that does to your PMO? Yeah, sure. So our, our methodology uh, is the boss framework. It basically stands for um, baseline, outline, setup, and sustain. Okay. So we will go into a company and baseline where they're at right? Mm -hmm. See exactly what they may or may not have in place, how big their team is, what resources they have available, um, and look at all that stuff. 
then we kind of put together an outline of our recommendations and what, uh, you know, what we would like to work with them through the engagement with and what we think is the best ideas. Um, we will curate that a little bit based on the company input and what's realistic. Uh, and then from there, we're, we're going to get it set up. Mm -hmm. and make it sustainable. So the one of the biggest things that is most important to us is to make sure it's sustainable. Because if we set you up with a process that you cannot keep up with, it's mm -hmm. going to be frustrating. You end up going backwards. And I firmly believe that project management can be simple. Um, a lot of organizations overcomplicate it. You know, there's like 10 forms for the same thing, or at least that's what it feels like, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's ways to do this where it can be simple and sustainable um, to get, get you organized. All right. Wow. That's cool. All right. So, so you're starting your business and you've got two young children. So we're going to mm -hmm. go to the mom part of this, right? Because I think moms are natural project managers, <laughs> right? Cause we, we manage a lot of different things in our lives, but how do you then start building a business with young children in the house, you know, with this COVID thing going on, like what, what does your strategy look like, especially as somebody who is an expert in project management, right? So, so tell me how that all played out. Yeah, I wish I could say it was simple, even for me, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that, that is just not the truth. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of laugh because like you, you say project manager and I'm like uh, planning birthday parties right now. My, my yes. girl's birthday are this month See? and I'm like, oh, that's a project, right? Yes. Like, it's, it's See? <laughs> I know. Um, but no, I, I do find that I am hyper-organized, right? So I have a lot of, um, I, I am that mom. I have like Excel spreadsheets for the birthday parties. <laughs> I right? love it. So, <clears throat> um, over the years, like it sounds a little crazy, but you know, when I go to plan that next party, it's like the invite list is 95% done. It's it, everything just becomes so much simpler. Yeah. So that certainly <laughs> helped, um, being that I've been kind of type a about a lot of those things, um, having those processes in place to leverage year after year. Mm -hmm. Uh, the one thing that I have not mastered is once they kind of come home from school and putting those boundaries in place of like, you know, mommy's still working. Like, you, mm -hmm. you know, you need to, you need to leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the way that it doesn't make you feel terribly guilty. Yeah. yeah um, exactly. But I did implement, I have a light outside my office now that's, you know, a uh, stoplight red, you know, I can change the colors of it. So I will put the red light on like if they really can't come in and that's starting to um starting to get through the older one is is with it the younger one still struggles but that's actually a brilliant idea that's such yeah. a project <laughs> manager thing to do so. right, governance <laughs> right there's governance <laughs> over mommy's face <laughs> i need that i need that for my office for my desk for my house i need i need all i need it everywhere yeah. <laughs> Just like, yeah. red is stop don't bother me right, right. <laughs> UPS guy. I mean, I need it for all of it. All of it can happen. Um, okay, great. So, so then you start your business. So what obstacles did you have to overcome in starting your business? Yeah, on a practical level, one is just money, right? Just the, I had a rather nice paycheck going into this and my financial situation is changing as I'm, I'm building this business. Um, obviously under the pretenses that it will be way better in the future, right? You, you know, no risk or no reward. So there's been some adjustments with working through finding all the, the funding to get this done. Yeah. Um, but the, the I think the more mental grit of it, of just the limiting self-beliefs, like, is this really mm -hmm. going to work? So many small businesses fail. Um, and I, I really did get to a point where I just like 
said, screw it. You know, like I would rather try and fail and not be scared of the failure or paralyzed by the failure, which I think happens to a lot of women, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, and just be okay with it. No matter how this pans out. And I think by not being scared of the failure, I've taken some of the power away from that fear. Yes, um, absolutely. Which will well, hopefully lead to great success. <laughs> yeah. And there are some things we just can't, we can't stop, right? Like we can't stop a COVID from happening, right? Like I was building a great business in 2019. We were set to scale rapidly. And then 2020 shut down my business for five months. There was nothing I could have done. You know, like it didn't matter how, how much I had built up at that point, COVID was going mm-hmm. to, to cause a hard stop. And so, you know, there are just some things that you just kind of have to work around and say, you know what, whatever is supposed to be, you know, my learning lesson out of this, I'm just going to take mm-hmm. that and, and shelve it and say, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be useful for me later. You know, this lesson that I'm learning, that's going to come into play later. And it does, it always does. So yeah, it's like, I don't know why I'm going to need this, but yeah. I will. And then mm-hmm. I will be like, oh, it is a good thing that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You learn so much. And so for us, it, it made us, it forced us to develop processes that, you know, mm-hmm. we're more efficient, you know, and, and now it's crazy because we, we moved a lot of our training online. We moved a lot of our onboarding and our hiring mm-hmm. online. And before that was all in person, but, you know, now fast forward a couple of years where we are rapidly expanding into other States and guess what has been the biggest help moving everything online. Right? And so, so now we are able to do something so much more efficiently and it would have mm-hmm. taken us for, I mean, months to have implemented everything that we needed to implement as it did during COVID. But COVID gave us that time, you know, COVID yeah. gave us a, a cushion to be able to do that in a way that felt responsible at the time. And mm-hmm. now it's necessary. So it has become, um, again, you take those lessons from COVID and, and any other major, you know, catastrophe that you're going through in your business and you learn that and, and then you just implement it later. So yeah. Um, so as you're starting your business and, um, you are, you know, project management, you're coming from corporate, what did you find to be the biggest hurdles to come over? And I'm not talking about obstacles like funding, but like, you know, where, where were your skill sets where you're like, okay, yeah, this, this, this part, I don't know, because like for some entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. it's marketing for some it's, you know, sales. Like, I don't know how to do sales. I don't know how to do marketing. I don't know how to do website development. Right. And so there's so many different skill sets you have to have as an entrepreneur, especially as a bootstrapping entrepreneur, right? Because entrepreneurs who are bootstrapping, you kind of have to be the you're the, you're the IT department, the sales department, the marketing department, you know, the legal department, you're everything. So at what point did you say, I'm going to learn this? And then at what point did you say, I'm going to outsource this because you're a project Mm -hmm. manager. So you're probably really, really good at categorizing things. Yeah. So we're, we're admittingly, we're at a stage where I'd love to outsource more than what I can at the moment, right? Like the, the idea is to be outsourced more than not to, to be honest right because I know where my um, skills are and they're not necessarily marketing or sales or all these other things mm-hmm. um, one thing that I think that I've done well is bring coaches in that was one of the significant investments I decided to make as I launched was bringing in people who walked this path before me because yeah. like I know some stuff about sales I've done some stuff in the past like I've done some things about marketing but I don't necessarily know the current trends Right. And I don't know how to do it like as the best in the industry or anything close to that. 
Um, so I've, I have, uh, relied on some coaching to point me in the right direction or give me experts to follow. Uh, cause there is so much information on the internet. It can be super overwhelming and you don't really know if you're following a good source or, or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I, um, shortcutted that process a bit by doing that. Uh, and that has helped right now that's given me the opportunity to like, uh, fast track where I focus my learning. Uh, but yeah, ultimately I would love to get to a point where I can outsource more of it and focus on the parts that I do well. Yeah. Well, and, you know, to your point of saying you got to figure out who you want to follow and there's so much information online, you're so right about that. But you also have to make sure that it feels authentic to you, because Mm -hmm. like one thing that I've learned and I follow tons and tons of different experts online, online on everything from TikTok to YouTube to, you know, wherever. And I'm following them because they have great advice and they're successful. But a lot of it I don't implement and I and I it just doesn't feel authentic. It's not Mm -hmm. right. It doesn't feel like like my path and some of it is just so like there are certain uh uh people who are influencers out there and it just you know they have great advice but it's just you know I always say um he's a great guy for someone else but not me (laughs) and so um (laughs) I say that about dating and I say the same thing about uh about um about you know influencers you know there's mm-hmm. great advice just not great advice for me so you know I think it has to feel authentic too and it has to really be relevant to your business and relevant to what you're doing yeah I would agree with that if you start you know doing some TikTok dance right as a project manager yeah. people I mean that's going to be extremely disjointed and right, be like, right. you've never right. danced a day in your life like what yeah. are you doing <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so uh who inspires you in your journey yeah, I am um, part of the personal development road that I've been on. I am really in that that area right now. So it's a lot of Mel Robbins. It's a lot of Tony yeah. Robbins, um, Lewis Howes. You know, mm-hmm. these are podcasts that I'll listen to just to kind of keep the the mindset mm-hmm. going. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I know you're right on here with me, but I was listening to your podcast prepare, preparing for this. Okay. And some of the women you've interviewed are just incredible. I mean, yeah. they just are doing incredible things. Um, so all that kind of stuff, I really find um, podcasts to be a huge source of inspiration. And some yeah. of the, the people that are are doing them are just putting great content out. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm absorbing all of it. <laughs> and it's so important too, because like for me, I I find that I learn more over you know out of somebody else's journey than I do reading text in a book. Like if I, if I just read the how to, you know, 10 steps to be successful, that's not going to resonate as much as somebody who's telling me about their journey and how they became successful. Like, I want to know how this is relevant and what this looks like in real life. And I want to know what somebody's journey looks like. And I also think that it helps to bring it to life for you because there are so many times where I, I read a great article, but it doesn't really resonate with me. But then somebody will tell me one story about a failure that they had. And I'm like, wow, that really hit home, right? Like that feels relevant. Um, and so just, and also knowing that you're not alone in the struggle because the one commonality that we all have, and this is one thing I say all the time is our commonality is struggle, not success. Right. And so if we can figure out, you know, okay, so they went through this, this is what happened to them. And this is how they got out of it. That gives, is going to give me more tools than 10 steps to be successful. Yeah. And I think it's really empowering too, to hear these people who are on the other side of it, 
because mm -hmm. you know you just see the success right? yeah you don't realize all the times that they've stumbled right and mm -hmm. and knowing that there were struggles along the way it's like it, it makes me feel like oh I totally do have a chance right like it's okay yeah. that I'm struggling and stumbling like that's that's natural and all these people all these greats who've come before me uh, are now you know they share that and it's it definitely gives you a sense of that you know just keep going kind of yeah just yeah. keep pushing through it well, and I don't know about you, but I really struggled with imposter syndrome for a long time. And I think that that's pretty common, especially with women in, in business is like, do I belong here? Do they take me seriously? Is this, you know, am I making an impact? And, and so I really struggled with that, especially as I changed into the security industry. But I read one article in Entrepreneur Magazine, um, and it was actually not even an article. It was the uh, edit editor's letter. Mm -hmm. And um, Jason Pfeiffer, the editor of, of Entrepreneur Magazine, was was interviewing the um, CEO of the large umbrella company that owns like Match.com and all the dating apps. And this is a billion dollar company. I mean, this guy runs a billion dollar organization. And he was talking, Jason was talking about how he took on this role with Entrepreneur Magazine. And he had this great experience as an editor at other big magazines, but Entrepreneur is the one where he felt the most imposter syndrome because he's, he's interviewing these really powerful CEOs and entrepreneurs. And these people are so creative and they're so well-resourced. And, and he's like, you know, I, I feel very intimidated and uh, the CEO of this billion dollar company says, we fight, he said, even I fight with imposter syndrome every single day. And like, mm -hmm. that was like, that was an epiphany to me. Like, wait a minute, this guy who runs a billion dollar company still has imposter syndrome. He still feels like, am I good enough to do this? So I really kind of uh, opened my eyes to like, okay, you know what? this is, this is part of it, right? This is part of the growth and the struggle is that if you don't feel that, if you don't feel imposter syndrome, you're not actively working to get yourself to that place of being better. So, um, so I think, I think it's actually a good thing. I think imposter syndrome will help you in the long run. Yeah. There, there's a version of me. I mean, less than 10 years ago, maybe around five years ago yeah. where I didn't think I had the skills or the things to offer, right? That my voice may not have mattered and everyone said it before, right? That's a really common one. Like there's other people already doing this. Yeah. Um, and there have been some, some significant shifts in my mindset of like, you know, there are plenty of businesses to serve, right? Mm -hmm. I, I do have plenty of years of experience. Like this isn't, um, I, I shouldn't be selling myself short, mm -hmm. uh, and working through those things and gaining that confidence, um, you know, I'm very I'm grateful for it, right? Like we kind of talked about before, like these hard struggles, you know, you learn the lessons and they they are useful as you go on. Um, but I've definitely gone into some rooms even recently where I'm just like, you know, you feel like those small fish and you're just yeah. like, okay, yeah. but it's okay, I'm here. Like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm here and I deserve to be here, right? And so that's kind of what you have to remind yourself of. It's like, you know, I could be on the outside of this room and that wouldn't really make an impact, but I'm on the inside. So yeah, know, there's, there's that. So um, so as you're going through, you talk about um, in your in your bio, you talk a little bit about um, empathetic leadership. Mm -hmm. So what is empathetic leadership and how is that relevant to what you do now? Yeah, I, I am a big believer that culture of a workplace drives success. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is something that we work with our clients on as well, is that it's not just about processes, 
Um, yeah. It's also about creating environments that people will thrive in and want to perform in. And if you can't bring some empathy into your leadership style with your teams, mm-hmm. um, nobody is going to want to show up for you, right? They may punch the clock, do the job, but you know they're doing something on the side. They're working their side hustle. They're not 100% committed. They're looking for that next job. Yeah. They're you know complaining to their coworkers on Teams, right? <laughs> there can be a lot of yeah. toxic stuff that's happening under the surface where people are literally just biding their time to to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the companies that have been super successful are, are creating culture. They're creating people that that want to be there. And you see that with a lot of startups, right? A lot of the oh, yeah. startup energy of like, you know, they have a problem, they're going to solve the world, they're going to break, or they're going to solve a problem, they're going to bring something to market. And it's it's a very exciting time uh, where people are fully invested in, in what they're doing. Um, so I'm, I'm a firm believer that as a leader, you need to bring kind of your best self and create an open environment where people can communicate and feel safe to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a term within idle methodology, um, which is uh, like a an IT project management kind of certification, and it's called safety culture. <laughs> and it, it feels like a slightly dramatic word for it, but it's yeah. very true, right? Creating an environment where people just feel safe, just safe to show up, safe to say what's on their mind. Um, and I have been in environments where they weren't, where it wasn't like that, right? So once you kind of experience the opposite, uh, you don't want to be part of that. You, you know, you're looking for for a, a empathetic leader with a cool culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it helps to humanize everything, right? Because mm-hmm. you work for a company where you know they the you feel like the leadership doesn't see you or understand you. It's gonna be hard to buy into their vision, right? Because like our, our, our company is a little unique. We're not a customer first organization. We're an employee first organization because mm-hmm. our employees make our company. And so if I'm constantly aligning with our clients and our employees are always wrong, you know, client clients, right. Employees are wrong. Then that's not going to build any morale. And so for us, you know, our employees are our organization. So, you know, if we can't back them, why are we even in business? And so we, we take a very opposite approach than most companies. We, we will not <clears throat> align with our customers, you know, if it, if it's going to harm our employees. Yeah. And if your employees know that they're going to serve your clients so much better, right? So it, it creates a, a circular uh, benefit for everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when you're going into business for yourself, um, tell me about funding and financing and travel and like, how do you manage all of that as a mom and, and as a new entrepreneur and, you know, kind of learning that process after having the corporate pay, you know, now you're, now you're funding yourself and it can become expensive. (laughs) So do you tackle that? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's an ongoing challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I I definitely went through some stages over the summer where where I worked through all the finances, what I could swing. I came up with, you know, I did the numbers, right? The boring number crunching of what exactly does the business need, what exactly do I need to to keep moving forward, um, and kind of what are the points, what are the revenue goals from from that point on. Um, the travel I'm being pretty strategic about, you know, I'd love to jump on a plane and be at every, you know, conference seminar there is. Um, but I've, I've been a little bit strategic about where we're going right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and then leveraging virtual, right. Leveraging the tools where I can for the, the cost efficiencies. 
uh, I've also signed up for things and then I, you know, I'm like, okay, this isn't working. So we, yeah. we cut them out of the budget pretty fast, right? Yeah, when, you're, yeah. <laughs> when you're bootstrapping, you're a little bit more critical of like, am I really getting value out of that? Even if it's a, I mean, honestly, as little as like a 20 dollar service, right? Is like, am I getting anything out of that? Yes, no. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you line item it out. Um, cause right now I, I just for transparency, I am, I'm funding this through retirement. I, I leverage my 401k to, to give myself this shot. So yeah. it's an all in, you know, no holds bar, like yeah, betting on myself type of thing. So I'm taking that very seriously with how I kind of spend every dollar. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, it's not unusual, especially in the climate we're in right now with banks. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. very challenging to get any kind of bank funding and mm-hmm. entrepreneurs are pulling back because they're losing their, you know, they're losing all their stuff. And I mean, banks are losing it in commercial real estate and investors are losing it in, in you know, they were overfunding mm-hmm. companies for a long time and those companies mm-hmm. were not being responsible with the money that they had. And, you know, investors weren't keeping people accountable and all the you know, we're going to have food truck Fridays and all the other, you know, perks that these companies were offering that didn't add to the bottom line. They didn't really move the needle and um, they were just spending money like it was never going to go away. And now we're seeing a tightening of, of funding everywhere. So I'm curious to, that's why I asked that question because mm-hmm you know, doesn't matter how I, I've been in business for eight years. You know, we've had, you know, a lot of success in the eight years. I've talked to much, much, much bigger companies than me who mm-hmm. have incredible success and they're having a hard time with banks and funding and, you know, funding is just something that you always need to be doing as an entrepreneur. And so yeah. bootstrapping has, has definitely having the bootstrapping mindset will get you a lot further than having a mindset of I need investors, right? If you're going to figure it out and get gritty about it, mm-hmm. you're going to be much more successful. Yeah. One of the things I learned early on from the the coaches I mentioned is that my days need to focus on revenue generating activities, right? Yeah. So like you mentioned the food trucks, right? Like there's tons of fun things that I would yeah. love to do as an entrepreneur and, sure. you know, work on my logo for 10 days in a row and like that kind of stuff, right? But I need to wake up every morning and just completely focus on what is going to generate revenue, what is going to what is actually going to build the company so that we can have uh, reoccurring revenue and sustain ourselves long term. Because one thing I've learned about myself is I don't want, you know, a traditional nine to five job. Right. And if it if it happens, I'm okay with with making those compromises and figuring out how this whole journey looks for me. Um, But it's you know, when you're an entrepreneur at heart, like that's, this is what I thrive on. Right. So I'm really, um, trying to focus on what is going to bring money to the company and what is going to benefit my clients and hoping that that formula is what, you know, brings success to everybody. Absolutely. And, and it will, you know, it will. And that's, that's the part about, you know, like retirement, I can sympathize with you because a lot of of people say like, I mean, there were years where I contributed zero to my retirement. So I'm like, I just don't have anything extra. Right. Like, (laughs) and so like, I'd have nothing contributing to any retirement and be pulling it out instead of putting it in. (laughs) And so, but, but I think the, you know, entrepreneurs, your company is your retirement plan, right? So, so that's, that's the end result, right? Is that you hope to, it's kind of like, um, you know, heading out and like you said, betting on yourself and, and that's a good bet. It's a good bet because you control that a little bit. So yeah, I, I love that you said that. Cause it's like, if you could just tell my mom that, 
Dear dear Laura's mom. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm not sure that she quite understands what I'm trying. I'm like, but if the company's successful, like the retirement will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, yeah. Well, and that's the hardest sell, isn't it, to the parents? So I remember when I first um. So my my at the time my husband I'm divorced now, but at the time he and I um, got married and we started a business our very first year of marriage, and so um, we both you know, at first he quit his job and started the business. And then I quit my job and joined him in the business. And his parents for the longest time just kept sending us like monster ads on like, Hey, there's a job available. I'm like, we're not jobless. Like we're not we're not like we're actually working like double (laughs) we work we work 80 hours right now how are we going to fit in a full-time job the post office is hiring they have great pension plans and I'm like oh my god (laughs) so yeah I get it I get it (laughs) yeah so it took it took a few years and it took you know us being able to finally like I think we took like a, we took them on vacation one year and they were like, oh, okay. And we weren't asking them for anything, you know, but it was, it was, it takes a long time to convince the parents that what you're doing makes any sense. (laughs) So I get it. Um, And my, my mom would often say, "Um, Hey, when you get a real job and I'm like, this is a real job. I actually do work really, really, really hard. And I actually do occasionally make money. So it's okay. It's almost like a real job. (laughs) I love it. I'm not, I'm not alone in that struggle. (laughs) You are not alone. You are not alone. (laughs) So, so kind of going into that, talk to me about mindset. Cause you, you talk a little bit in your bio about mindset matters and how you unlock it through positive outlook. So, you know, entrepreneurs are by nature, very optimistic people. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about how your mindset impacts your, your ability to keep moving. Yeah. So for me, when, as I was going through this evolution of deciding to take this jump into entrepreneurship, um, I did a leadership program. um, Mm -hmm. And this is before I decided to, to do this. Um, And I really think that that was the beginning of of shifting my mindset from, you know, what value do I bring to, you know, limitless potential. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I joined a program. It was uh, six months where we met. It was like a group one-on-one type thing. And then at the culmination of it, we actually met in Tanzania in person and climbed wow. Mount Kilimanjaro. That's so, so cool. It, it was remarkable, right? It, it was an experience. Like I'd gotten to a point in my life where like it, I felt boring, right? Uh-huh. And, not that um, motherhood is boring, but it it can be monotonous. You know, mm-hmm. I think we all know the truths around that. Right, right. So it's just kind of like, oh my God, like I'm not cool anymore. I don't do anything cool. Like, so yeah. when this opportunity came around, it, it made me feel um, like I was exciting again. And I had something to talk about. And it was a very um, eye-opening experience, not only just leading up to it, but doing it, actually accomplishing something like that. Um, and the mindset around saying yes to something like that. Cause at the time, you know, like, uh, I didn't have money sitting around to join a six month coaching program. Like it wasn't something I was budgeting for. Uh, but I, you know, I decided to say yes to that. And, um, it, it was the beginning of really digging into my values, what I wanted out of life, what was important to me. And then doing that big, huge adventure at the end of it, just kind of really like, um, you know, solidifying that for my mind. Um, And then from there, it was like, what's next? And more, it it made me feel like more was possible and that I should be dreaming bigger 
And then that, you know, ultimately led to, to, you know, wanting to take that in my professional side as well with launching a company. Um, so the, the mind has been really the most important part, you know, it's, it's, what's controlling the decisions <laughs> yeah oh yeah for sure so yeah. what was that like to climb Mount Kilimanjaro that must have been just life-changing it absolutely was um what I really enjoyed about the experience is one it was like an incredible group of people that I got to you know meet and do that with yeah. but you go with uh guides and porters so they climb up the mountain with you. So you're like a little mountain family going uh -huh. up the mountain. Cause this is a, it's a week long climb. It's about, you know, five days, four and a half days up, two and a half down. Wow. Um, so you're pretty disconnected from technology. Uh, amazingly enough, there are some cell signal on the mountain, but it's pretty limited, right? It's not yeah. what we're used to. So it was away from computers, limited technology, just doing the climb, walking all day, talking to people, learning about the culture. Uh, the food that we actually got was incredible. So it was like, you know, you, we would eat in the, these big giant mess tents and like all kind of break bread together. And it, it was just a, a really uh, unique opportunity as an adult in this kind of paced society that we're in, where it was just slowed down so much that you could get to know people and enjoy conversation. Um, while doing something like incredibly challenging yeah, right? yeah. so wow. yeah it was it was life-changing <laughs> mm -hmm. so do you still keep in touch with the people that you did the climb with all of them yep. yeah yeah isn't, all that, them. isn't that interesting like some of those you know I I look back at some of the journeys that I've been on in life and it was the people where we had some sort of shared life-changing experience or even shared trauma you know like it's yeah. those are the people that you feel most connected to right because your emotions are are heightened and your, your awareness is heightened and you've shared something really meaningful. So I think that's incredible that you have a great network of people now who have also done something, you know, that, that took them out of their comfort zone and, and brought them to a different place in life. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's opened different doors for me, right? They say like, you know, what table are you sitting at, right? The table I was sitting at before I decided to do something like that had, you know, wonderful people, but just different ambitions and, and goals in life. And like now the people around me, like my circle has just gotten so much richer. Um, and that is another thing that, you know, when I say life changing, it's in, in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's definitely been moments where, you know, I've, I've had to challenge myself to get out of my comfort zone. And mm -hmm. while I love my friends dearly and my family dearly, and, and, you know, I would do anything for them. They're not necessarily the people I want to go to for advice about certain parts of my business or, or yeah. life. And, and so while they might be able to give me great advice about me, you know, like, you know, <laughs> know what you would like, they don't necessarily know how to get me to where I need to be in the next level of my business and the people that I've aligned with over the years in that, like, you know, a CEO think tank group and, you know, things like that. Those, those are the powerful relationships that moves the needle for you in your business. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> so, so tell me, um, as women, we often give our power away. Um, so sometimes we'll give our power away and, you know, just, uh, taking criticism when it's not due or giving somebody else, um, credit for our work or whatever that may look like. So can you tell me about a time when you gave your power away and then another time when maybe you took that back and you st stood into your power? Yeah, unfortunately I can. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. 
Um, yeah, I was working in a pretty male dominated field. Um, you know, the IT sector, uh, it, I'm sure you can relate, right? Security is the same. Yeah. Uh, and there, there had been a couple instances where I was, um, I was the program manager. So I was, you know, the, the equivalent to the CIO essentially, right. For, right. I was the leading the contractor staff and I was really the most senior person, um, there. And there had been a couple instances where they would, you know, tell me to take notes oh, or God. like just, just stuff. I'm like, you know, and I, in that particular case, I looked at the person next to me and I was like, can you please take notes for me? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just almost awkward. Cause it was like the, and it was, you know, a client situation that said that to me. And I'm just like, I'm not like, I'm in charge here, but yeah, <laughs> got it. Um, but no, the, the, um, yeah, there had been lots of instances. There was one in particular I also remember. Um, the team had messed something up, and you know I had to go stand up and take the lashings for it, which is part of leadership. That wasn't necessarily the problem, uh, but they did it repeatedly to me. Um, even though I had taken responsibility, I had you know let them know what consequences were implemented. You know, I, in my opinion, handled it very professionally, and it just got repeated over and over again to make sure I understood it. And I'm like, I, I get it. Like, <laughs> I don't know how many different ways to tell you I understand this. Yeah. Um, but I had to sit there and take it. And I, you know, looking back, I, I wish I had been a little bit more aggressive or, you know, a bit slightly more masculine energy perhaps in that scenario. Cause it was, um, it honestly was degrading, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, but, and then I, I really think the way I took my power back was by moving on and having my own company and taking myself out of those situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that that was a, that's kind of a big power move. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Those are tough. You know, it's tough when you have uh, somebody who wants to talk to you, but they're talking down to you. It's like, listen, yes. you can talk to me as a colleague, but you know, talking down to me is not going to really work. It's not going to get you where you think you're going to go. So. Yeah. And, and not to belabor the point, but I am also remembering an incident where like I had explained something, like I did an executive summary and then they turned to my male colleague and asked him to explain it. He said oh, the same thing I did. And I was oh. like, did you really have it? So yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> there's lots of those. <laughs> yeah. I can totally relate. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so tell me, what would you, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Uh, I would tell my 18-year-old self uh, that you do not have to follow the script. Uh, that's that I think is a big one for me because as I was approaching you know college or high school graduation rather uh, my town it was like you go to college you get your job you are happy about your health benefits mm -hmm. and that was kind <laughs> of like I, I, it felt it felt like when I got to that point I wasn't making any decisions for myself I was just doing the next steps yeah. um, and I think that that really limited myself for, for a while, like years, decades, right? Until I kind of looked around and saw that there's like options, that it's not all just about having a nine to five job and being happy about it. Like I could create, I can actually create something for myself. Um, and that didn't ever hit, like that really didn't hit me until the last couple of years that I could create what I wanted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's what I would tell myself, like, you know, take a minute, see what you want and create it. And I honestly, I hope that's what my daughters get to do now, right? That's, yeah. that's kind of one of the underlying things that's fueling me is that I really hope I've created, um, a big enough, 
umbrella for them to be able to decide what they want to do and not like just have to get a job that pays bills and, and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Well, good for you. So how has project management, um, what, what, what would you tell people project management does, um, to, um, I guess in, in real life, like what does that look like in real life and how does project management play into, you know, your day-to-day and how can we implement project management principles in our day-to-day life? Yeah. So project management to me, it's, it's a lot about structure. Um, and knowing kind of what you're going to do in a situation, which is again, kind of like the, that governance decisions of like, you know, we have this, so that goes A or B, right? When you, when you take the time to think through things ahead, yeah, you then don't have to figure it out when you get to that crossroads. So it's already kind of like a predetermined bucket. And then you just have a, like maybe a point of validation, right? Um, so I, I think a very, very simple application for project management um, is to-do lists. But I would highly encourage some level of prioritization. Yeah. Like, because a to-do list can run wild. I mean, I have a to-do list that's, you know, 20 years old now, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But looking at the to-do list in a much more practical way of what are the three things that have to get done today? What are the most important three things? And then kind of ignore the rest of it until those three things are done, right? And you absolutely can reassess day-to-day with what's going on. Um, but I have found that the, uh, the list can get overwhelming if you don't put some structure or guidelines around it. And that's where I feel like the project management aspects start to help move people along. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm bad with digital list because I feel like I get very few things checked off, but I just keep adding to it. And so now I've gotten I've gotten a little bit better. I'll start the morning by I'll I'll put a star next to the things that have to get done that day. And then I'll number one, two, three. Like I can't start on two until one is done. <laughs> and so yeah. So I'm interested. Have you seen that help you, right? At keeping you more structured and organized and, and accomplishing more? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a procrastinator. And so mm-hmm. like I will I will look at it and I'll be like, well, I mean, yeah, I could do all my financial projections, but it would be more fun if I did this. And so uh you know, financial projections will go for like the next, you know, six months and I'll never get done. So I, I will try to do the things that I think are simple or, you know, if I procrastinate on things that I don't want to do. So mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the the thought of eat the big frog first. Yeah. It's like you wake up and kind of do the most difficult thing that needs to get done for the day, get that out of the way, the least attractive. Yeah. You know, that's another strategy that you could just do the unpleasant thing first and then have time for the fun stuff in the afternoon. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I just got to convince myself that any of it's fun. But. All right. So one last question. I've really enjoyed talking with you, Laura. I think you have so much great insight and um, incredible things to tell us. So one last question. What do you wish more people knew? What do I wish more people knew? I think I wish that they knew that uh, they're capable of more, Mm -hmm. you know, that they are capable of, of creating their version of happiness and Mm -hmm. what that looks like for them. Um, I have found that really looking inward has helped me create what I want outwardly. Um, and I hope a lot more people pick up on that, right. Get, get, um, 
not necessarily help, but like mentors, coaches, therapy, like whatever it looks like, like get support because it's by doing that, that you unlock uh, what's inside of you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes uh, it's all there. We're just afraid, right? We're afraid to develop it. And so having somebody else there to encourage it definitely does help. You're right. The coaching definitely is a impactful thing to do. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Laura. You've been just such a joy to talk to. So how can people find you? Yep. The website is the best way. It is the pmoboss.com. There's actually a free guide up there for people that uh, maybe hate project management, but (laughs) know they need some more of it in their life. There's a guide of strategies that that you could look at. Um, But yeah, that's the easiest way to find us. Awesome. And everyone, you can always go to prettypowerfulpodcast.com and uh, Laura Bowers will be on there as well. And all of her links will be there. So uh, please check out this episode, many more. Um, Go check out Laura at PMO Boss. And we really appreciate your time today. So thank you again, Laura. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. So everybody have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.